Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. You solemnly swear. To support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. And to bear true faith. And allegiance to the same. Then I will obey. The orders of. The President of the United States. And the orders of. Those officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the American Vet Podcast. I am sitting here tonight with Trevor. He is an Army satellite comm operator who served from 1997 to 2003 under three different commands with one deployment to Kosovo. Trevor, how are you doing tonight? Great, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Thanks thanks for reaching out. And uh, I guess you found me on a Reddit. So that's, that's yes. still... Yeah. That still that still works for me right now, so I appreciate yeah. you reaching out and uh, tell me tell me about yourself here tonight and my listeners. Um, so Trevor, just we'll get into it. Uh, you know why? Uh, you know why the army? Why did you join? Who were you before the military? Well, um, <clears throat> I was uh, in high school. I was a big uh, music guy um, and was actually kind of looking at uh, potentially doing that. Uh, for education, like scholarships and stuff. Um, but as I got into my senior year and that, uh, started winding down, um, I really started coming to the conclusion that more school just wasn't what I wanted to do, at least not right off the bat. Right. Uh, so, uh, the military became a much more attractive, uh, thing to look at. Um, in Colorado Springs, obviously the air force Academy is a big deal. Um, so I, I initially placed a call to the recruiter here and he basically said he gets his numbers from the air force Academy. So fuck off, you know, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't quite that <laughs> rude, but, uh, was not interested in talking to me. Um, I knew, uh, I, I don't do well with uh, motion. I, I get motion sick. So I knew the Navy wasn't for me. Um, and the Marine Corps just seemed a little too intense. So I went with the army. <laughs> okay. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay so now you now you're going in the army and uh so now you're, you're is this the first time you're leaving home kind of thing or where was your where'd you end up yeah. going for boot camp i uh so i went to basic at fort uh, jackson south carolina um i signed up for a super cushy mos uh satellite communications like you said in fact my recruiter told me that we never went to the field which he was lying about uh <laughs> as i later found out uh there's plenty of satellite communications happening in the field uh <laughs> that is not confined to air-conditioned buildings like he told me son uh, of a bitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> no my, um, my recruiter lied to me too because he said uh you know once you become a marine with that uniform on you're gonna get all the pussy you can ever handle oh it's, yeah sure yeah and I, I don't think he was taking an effect of my looks you know <laughs> Well, especially once they shave your head and put those awesome, if you wear glasses, those awesome glasses that they issue you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, luckily I didn't actually go and see and get glasses until after I got out of Marine Corps. But uh, I was actually one of the guys that shaved my head before boot camp. I, was... I did too. Oh, okay. I did too. And, uh, uh, the way the Army does it, they actually um, pretty much within like, I want to say within 24 hours of showing up, you get um, a bunch of money orders that, to pay for stuff. Okay. Um, and one of them is for the exact price of a haircut. And they were upset with me because I would not let that dude cut my hair and pay for a haircut because I had a fucking haircut that was the basic training haircut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not paying this dude to just rub a clippers over my head. That's not going to take any hair off. <laughs> like, fuck you. Yeah. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> um, they, uh, it, well, and I wouldn't, if all he wanted to do was go through the motions and not take my money, I would have been fine with it. But it was like, no, this is, they handed me money. <laughs> you know, gonna, if I don't have to spend this, I'm hanging on to this, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So now, 
Now, so going into boot camp, I guess you lose probably about five, ten bucks at the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're already kind of mad. What else happened in, in boot camp? How was the the experience there for you? Well, I, I think for it's one of those weird things, you know. Looking back, it's like it's not that bad. Right. It's not as tough, you know. But when you're going through it, it's like holy shit! I've never done anything this hard in my life. Right. Um, you know, you're uh just the intensity of having drill sergeants, uh, you know, raise their voice at you. Uh, right. if you're not used to an environment like that can be pretty intense. Um, so, uh, but, uh, obviously I adapted and overcame as, yep. uh, the phrase goes and, um, made it through, uh, <laughs> just the times where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to get out of this. However, I have to, you know, there were a couple yeah. of times where I had those moments. Um, yep. we had an unusual situation, uh, when we were in what they call reception for the army, which is where you, you haven't started basic training yet. Um, you're kind of getting your uniforms issued and, um, you know, kind of the administrative stuff, uh, going through physicals and dental and all that stuff. Um, and we had some dudes like climb over these fences that they had there and jump off and get hurt. So they actually told us, they're like, look, if you want to leave, you can leave. Please stop getting hurt because while you're still in the army, we have to take care of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're like, we don't want to, you know, have to fix broken legs. Like if you want to, if you want to get out of the army, you think you made a bad choice. Look, uh, you know, raise your hand now and we'll, you know, start processing you out, but please stop climbing over these fences and getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> just, just stop it. All right. It's not working yeah. out. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny, too, because, like, I remember, too, like, I'm in the same exact as you are. Like, you know, even talking with veterans today, they're like, oh, fuck boot camp. I'll never go back. This, that, you know, that was, like, the worst time of my life. But I'm kind of, I am wish I could go back to boot camp right now. Not only because I've gained some weight since I got out, but just the whole fact of, like, you know, you are. You're getting brainwashed all the way through there. Everything sucks. You know, you don't get to make your own decisions. Nothing is – you have no control of your life anymore. You just fucking run all the time. You get yelled at yeah. for – yeah. nothing and then uh so you get brainwashed but then after you get out of boot camp it's like man knowing now what i know i would love to go back to boot camp and just really just have a good time i think you know be more yeah. of a smart ass you know, <laughs> it, yeah it would be it would be fun now that now that i know what i could actually get away with to kind of i don't know push things you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah okay so I, now i i uh i strangely have dreams uh, that I'm back in basic, but I have my beard. So they're very upset with me. Nice. And then I, and then it kind of dawns on me, like I've been out of the army for like, you know, nearly 15 years or no, over 15 years or something I'm like, yeah. what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's one of those things, you know, like, uh, <laughs> but I have vivid dreams where I get, start getting my ass chewed for not shaving. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. No, I wish I, as you can see, um, listeners can't see or whatever, but I am clean shaving because my job requires me to be. And when I, when I do these interviews and like when, it, once this, once you signed on to the, onto the Skype here, I was like, I saw your, your beer and I was like, he's motherfucker, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, okay. So you go from Colorado, now you're in South Carolina and you go through boot camp. So as satellite com operator, where do you do you go to light combat? So like in the Marine Corps we have boot camp then we have MCT, which is Marine Combat Training. And everybody goes through that. That's more in depth like how to do convoys and stuff like that, how to, you know, live um in wartime. And then we go into like an MOS or so So back then uh I joined in uh, 97. Yep. Um uh so the environment was a little different. Um, especially for people that came in like post nine 11, I mean, that obviously changed everything for everybody, but especially for how the military does business. Yeah. Um, so no, there was nothing like that for me. It was, uh, the day I graduated, I got put on a bus to Fort Gordon, Georgia to start my, uh, the army calls it AIT advanced individual training. That's your MOS, uh, yeah. school. So I got sent up to Fort Gordon for that home of the signal Corps. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, like a three hour bus ride or something from South Carolina yep. up to Georgia. Okay. So how long were you in Georgia for? 10 months. That's nice. a long, long school. Yeah. Um, and, and 
you know, part of that, uh, I, I had to sign up for a six year enlistment because they, they, you know, the investment, um, for that MOS is a lot of money on the part of the army. Yep. Um, it is one of those, like, I forget all the numbers, but you had to hit certain GT scores on your ASVAB and whatnot, um, to even get into it. And, um, you know, luckily I was, uh, what, uh, some of my compadres later called me a, a smart fucker. So, uh, <laughs> I aced that stuff and got into, got into, you know, a very technical and marketable MOS luckily. So. Perfect. So now you go there. So have you ever done anything with like being calm, like prior to the military or is this like a fresh brand new job? So now you're kind of learning everything. It's brand new. When I, when I was looking at the army to begin with, uh, what I really wanted to do was like combat journalism. Um, okay. I wanted to do, I really wanted to be on the radio, but, um, you know, I, I guess the way I understood it at the time was if you could, you'd pull a combat journalism MOS and then it could be, you could end up writing print stuff. You could end up, you know, being on AFN, you could end up, uh, doing combat camera photography. You know, it kind of, the way I understood it was, uh, it, it was like, uh, you'd almost go into a feeder MOS and they'd see what you're good at. And then they, you know, um, push you, push you to something more specific from there. Yeah. So you got um, like a general MOS and then you got like sub yeah. MOSs inside of that. Yeah. I right. Get you. Right. Yeah. That wasn't offered to me though. The day I showed up, they, they always offer infantry if you're a male, yep. um, going in the army. So I got 11 Bravo infantry. I forget what the other one was, maybe a cook or something. And then, uh, the satellite communications thing. And I was like, well, um, that sounds like Cushy. something that I could you know, because I, I already had in the back of my head that I probably wasn't going to spend my life in the army. Um, okay. So this, this sounded like something like I could get out of the army and do something with this, um, and have you know, have a life beyond just the, the six years that I was planning on spending, uh, there. So, um, I went ahead and picked that. Perfect. So now that you go there and you're starting to learn like, what is like, what, what do you do as like a satellite comm operator in the army? Like, you know, talk to me about the process of like what your MOS actually really does. Like, well, um, so the, the, the big idea behind satellite communications is, and it solved a lot of problems for, uh, especially the military. Um, obviously it's used in civilian use. Now, anyone that has direct TV is using, uh, satellite communications right now. Right. Um, uh, some of the internet stuff, HughesNet, uh, if you're out in the sticks, you might be using that for your internet. Um, but it solves the problem of uh, allowing um, typically a, a chain of command that's even on maybe a continent yeah. and another continent to, to speak to each other. Okay. Um, whether that's via... Um, whether that's via like text, you know, there's uh, something called teletype that back in the day that we used to use over that, um, or voice, or it could be uh, later on they started incorporating video. Uh, but so the the big thing is without wires, because that's you know right. you don't really want to if you can help it, you don't want to uh, string <laughs> wires from say uh, across the Pacific. America, you know. <laughs> um, they okay. do have fiber optic cables that do that but uh you know they kind of set them down there and then leave them be uh so you don't want to run new ones if you can help it <laughs> yep yeah exactly yeah and i was actually it's funny you brought up the fiber thing we recently in my city that i live in we have actually fire we had the city did a whole thing of fiber to the house so oh yeah so like where where our internet is for our city is so i don't have to have comcast or anything like that i don't pay outrageous price it kind of like they have this main hub and from that hub, it's all fiber wires all the way, you know, down the telephone poles to your house, inside of your house, into your modems wow. and everything else. So, like, now I get to work with, like, 900 and, uh, 986 download, 947 upload speeds. So. Jesus, that's fucking awesome. And I only pay 60 bucks, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, shit. fiber is an amazing thing. And, yeah. you know, it's... I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. But okay. So now you're in Georgia. So now tell me about your, who you are, like your life in Georgia, coming from Colorado. Now you're in Georgia. You know, what is, what's the cultural difference, I guess you can say between the States. Oh, Jesus. Well, number one, I can't understand what anybody says. Okay. Uh, every, everybody has a Southern accent. I mean, a Georgia, you know, 
Yep. A southern accent. Uh, a big example. There's a town right outside of uh, right outside of Fort Gordon called, uh, as I would say it, coming from the southwest, Martinez. But everyone there calls it Martinez. Even Mexican people. <laughs> like it was like, wait, you know, <laughs> what is Martinez? Directly, like what is Martinez? Um, I'm like, you mean Martinez? They're like, no, Martinez. Um, so that's a little that's a little unusual. Yeah. Um, the other strange thing that I ran into was kind of the Confederate pride. Um, okay. If you, if you, it, in fact, I, I ran into a lot of people that still refer to it as the war of Northern aggression, um, okay. and not the civil war to them. They got conquered by those of us from the North Yeah, <laughs> and they still act like that's, you know, like, they, you know, so uh, they're kind of butthurt still. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was a little weird, uh, up in Colorado, in Colorado, we don't give the civil war much of a thought at all other than maybe in a history class yeah but uh it seemed like down there it's drilled into them that you know those fucking yankees uh ruined our lives and you know <laughs> we had this great thing going where we could just you know own people and <laughs> they stopped that you know i don't know motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so now yeah that's that would be a different different change so now you're so you're in, in georgia for about 10 months where do you go from there uh, from there, I go to Kitzingen, Germany, um, nice. which it was awesome. I loved, I loved being in Germany. Um, from what I understand, we don't have any kind of presence, at least in Kitzingen anymore. Um, which is unfortunate cause it's a great, it, it was a great duty station to go to. Um, and that's where, uh, well at, in, in school, um, I was trained to, to operate the, uh, the, uh, uh, what they called the ground mobile forces satellite communications equipment, which is the stuff that goes to the field. It's on the back of Humvees or yep, yep. Half, five tons. Um, and it can go wherever they need to, you know, wherever a, a commander needs comms. Yep. Um, yep. So that's what I did in, in, uh, in Germany. And that included, that was the duty station where I deployed to uh, Kosovo. So um, yeah, I was there for a little close to three years. Um, as a single guy, it was supposed to be a two-year assignment, but they, uh, <clears throat> while I was there, the army did some shuffling around, and I ended up just having to kind of stick around longer. So yeah, they, um, yeah, they do that kind of thing. They do sometimes, which was, <laughs> uh, was fine with me. You know, it, was, it didn't bother me that I had to stay longer. But um, yeah, it was a. Uh, so that was a. You know, we we went to the field a lot, um, and when you're when you do any kind of comms, yep. Um, you have to get there before the rest of the, you know, division gets there. Um, and you leave after they're done because they want comms up the whole time they're doing a field problem. So, yep. uh, if, if the division's field problem is two weeks, you're going to be there for four. Uh, and that was just <laughs> kind of what we got used to, you know? Okay. All right. So what is, uh, any, any type of memories that stick out from you from being over there in Germany or. Well, I lost my virginity. Uh, so okay. that was a big deal to me. Um, was what that was, was that, uh, were you okay with it at that moment or was this something that you were forced into? Oh, I was really, I, I had been hoping that it would have happened a lot sooner, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, but I found a nice German girl that was willing to accommodate, uh, helping me out. So perfect. Perfect. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. Okay. I didn't get, um, I didn't besides quite... that, it was just, it was just the. Uh, I was a real fan of the culture. Yep. Um, they're, you know, it's a very friendly and outgoing, um, kind of, uh, <sighs> you know, I mean, their big thing is to like drink beer and hang out. So, Perfect. um, Perfect. I fit right in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So at what point do you go to Kosovo and what, and like, what were your, what was your main purpose for being out there? You know, why well, were you there? We, uh, we went in, um, <clears throat> I was in with the initial, uh, ground forces that went in, like I showed up for those that are familiar with camp bond steel. I got to camp bond steel when it was a farmer's field and I watched an army major hand the farmer a suitcase of cash and basically say, can we have your field? And that was, that was the start of camp bond steel. Like okay. I saw that happen, <laughs> which was pretty wild. It was like, holy shit, like, did we just buy a farm? And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, 
it, it, and the way it started was we actually went into Macedonia first. Um, uh, from what I recall, we had to, we flew into Macedonia. So I had to load up all the trucks onto, you know, C one thirties or C 17s or whatever they were using. Uh, they flew us in and then we had to drive. We convoyed from Macedonia into Kosovo. It was like a 18 hour convoy or something crazy. It was a long, long drive. Wow. Uh, with air cover, you know, we had helicopters kind of hanging out above us, but, uh, yeah, it was just a long drive. Had no idea what to expect. They, they even said like, we have no idea what you're going to face. Uh, you could have some resistance from the people. Um, they weren't expecting the Bosnian government, which was the problem to cause any trouble because he had kind of already had his ass kicked in Bosnia. Um, so he, he, Milosevic was the guy at the time, uh, probably wasn't going to start any shit with us in Kosovo. Um, but they did not necessarily know, uh, where the loyalties of the regular people lied. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah. um, luckily they were cool. Uh, when we went through towns, they kind of, you know, they came out and waved and maybe, you know, like threw some flowers around and it was very, yay, you know, almost, it was reminiscent of like when they liberated places in world war two, although we hadn't done anything yet. We just were, we weren't even where we meant to go, you know, we were right. just on our way. <laughs> so it was, that was kind of weird, but, um, you know, at least, at least they didn't try to stop us. That was, that was the good thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And you didn't have to keep buying out everybody's farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We only had to do that once. <laughs> and I would have been, I don't know what I would have, I would have, see, I was kind of, I was a smart, I'm still a smart ass. Cause I figured being a smart ass is better than being a dumbass. So, um, true. I would have just said something stupid when I was out there anyways, because that's typically what I ended up doing when I was in. Yeah. So, okay. So now Kosovo, you're out there, you're, you're driving around, people are giving you flowers and stuff like that. Maybe because they're like, Oh, American, you know, American men, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, well, they're, they're, you know, it was, a uh, uh, we were stepping into a, uh, kind of an ethnic, um, what did they call it? Ethnic cleansing. That's what, that's, that's what they were trying to do. Um, the Serbs were trying to ethnically cleanse out the uh, trying to remember what the other group was. The Croats, maybe Croatians, okay. no Albanians. That's right, Albanians. Okay. Um, uh, which it you know that's a that's there's some serious history behind why the Albanians are even there, which goes back to like World War One, um, and some massacre that pushed them out of wherever they already were into Kosovo. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then these people were like, you know, we want to get rid of you too. So it was, it was a mess. Yeah. So I can see why your chain was kind of like, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but you yeah. need to go over there. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> okay. I like it. Um, all right. So now you're, so now you get done with Kosovo is, so do you come back to the States or do you stay out there in Germany and Kosovo area? I stayed in Germany for like another year or so, I think. Uh, Yep. what i recall year and a half maybe um and then uh and then i came back to the u.s uh to another school um i uh i wanted to get back to colorado springs that's my hometown okay and to do that i uh i voluntarily said that i would uh get this additional skill that was likely to put me in colorado springs um so they went ahead and sent me to that school it was like another four months at fort gordon georgia because that's where everything com related <laughs> happens <laughs> okay um and then uh and then i went to fort meade maryland was that a good thing or <laughs> that was that wasn't bad it was a uh, that's an unusual place to be it's uh it's basically right between baltimore and washington dc so you have kind of two yep. big cities that you can go party at on your days off um the place i went to we were like a 24 7 op center so we worked 12 hour shifts, like three or four days a week and then had the rest of the week off. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was really, uh, it was a good spot to be for a young, you know, just turned 21. So I could drink in the States. Perfect. Um, yeah. Legally, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in public and, uh, is what I, I like to say. I can drink. Yeah. In public yeah. now. <laughs> and it was kind of cool. It was the other thing that was cool about Fort Meade is it's the home of the national security agency, the NSA. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't dip into that world much, 
but uh it was kind of cool to like drive through there on your way to work or whatever and um yeah. you know it was like whoa what are they doing and they just kind of maybe you shouldn't ask <laughs> <laughs> who's paying you to ask that question yeah. holy shit <laughs> all right all right so now you're there so do you stay there for the rest of your career or do you go somewhere else and get out no i did stay there for the rest of my career uh, okay. which was another like three years. So that adds up to six, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm and, a Marine. Uh, I don't know how to do math. I just, I got you. <laughs> Hang on. I got some crayons. Um, <laughs> I'm not hungry. I just don't know how to do math. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, I stayed there for the rest of my, uh, the rest of my career. Um, I, when I got there, uh, I was an E4. Um, and as it happened, uh, let's see, I got there in, I want to say 2000 um, and had made the decision that, you know, uh, I, I'd like to become an on-com, make sergeant. That would be nice. Uh, Get the most out of what I'm doing before I get out. And maybe, you know, I was even kind of thinking maybe I'd re-enlist. I don't know. We'll see. Yep. Uh, uh, So I went ahead and like started preparing for that, you know, got ready to, to go to the board and did the board sure. and, uh, you know, made enough points and, uh, went to the army calls it PLD or did, I think it's called something else. Now it used to be called primary leadership development course. Uh, okay. so they sent me out to, um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky for that, which was another, that's another, you know, that's a very interesting place. The home of the 101st airborne. So if you're not airborne, you're a complete piece of shit out there. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> which I was not. And in fact, because of my, because of my additional skill, we wore a nice little blue, like air force looking set of wings, wings. They weren't really wings, but they kind of look like wings. Okay. So all these airborne guys with their airborne wings were like, what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> you know? oh, so, oh, it's my pin. I just got it off of wish.com. Yeah, Do you like it? <laughs> like we'd, we'd make up stories like, oh, you know, we're, uh, I'm a tail gunner on the space shuttle or, uh, <laughs> um, there was a big movie out, uh, was the enemy of the state or something about how like satellites could spy on you. So we tell them that we do that kind of shit. So don't mess with me because I can just look into your house whenever I want from the satellite. Yep. Uh, which was definitely not true. <laughs> right. Right. But, <laughs> but you gotta have, you gotta, you gotta do something while you're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I went through that school and, uh, and came back and then, um, as events would turn, I got promoted to Sergeant on September 10th, 2001. Perfect. Which, uh, which meant that uh, my first day of like yeah. being in charge of guys was September 11th, 2001, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a long fucking day. <laughs> yeah. Definitely puckered your butthole there a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Was, so where, where were you at on, on nine 11? I was on duty yeah. um, at the op center that, uh, that, that uh, I worked at. Um, so I had, I had, become basically right away they were like okay you're a team chief and here's your two two guys that work for you um there was another team chief another e5 and then there was an e6 who was our squad leader um so he was basically like the ncoic on our shift and then he had two e5s uh who kind of ran all the guys under him um and i i was found myself being one of those and uh you know started out like a normal day our shift started at like 4 30 in the morning um and we're hanging out and then over the teletype, um, someone from, you know, we had a lot of comms with, uh, uh, we talked to, a uh, the defense information systems agency out of DC a lot because okay. they were, they were in charge of the satellite constellation that we, um, we controlled. So <clears throat> they said something about, um, has anybody seen the news? Uh, looks like a plane hit one of the world trade center towers in New York. And we're like, okay, that's pretty wild. Um, assuming that it was an accident. And then of course, when the second plane hit, I was like, well, I don't think that was an accident. Yeah. And then what really concerned us was the plane that hit the Pentagon. Um, particularly for our unit, because our first Sergeant was retiring. And when you're in, uh, when you're close to DC, the Sergeant major of the army invites retiring NCOs up for like a lunch. Okay. Lunch breakfast, something like that. So he was on his way to DC to the Pentagon 
to hang out with the sergeant major of the army. So our concern was that our first sergeant might have been killed in that uh, right, right, right. that act. Luckily, that wasn't what happened. He got stuck in the shitty Washington D.C. traffic and actually was running late. So um, luckily for him, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, so uh, he he eventually came back, and we, uh, you know, we started doing. Um, you know, discussions about what to do. Like, um, we decided to go ahead and, uh, call in the security NCO and open up the arms room. So we drew weapons. Yeah. We didn't have any ammo on site though. So it was like, what are we doing? You know, it was kind of strange, you know, looking back, you don't necessarily think about that stuff, but it was like, okay, we have weapons, but then it's like, well, what are we going to do with them? We don't have ammo here. We would have to get ammo from, uh, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, the, like the headquarters battalion of Fort Meade. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that. Well, well, just hang on to just hang on to your weapon, okay? Yeah. Um, and then we started <laughs> doing stuff like uh, <clears throat> I forget how frequently every half hour or hour we would do security checks around the outside of the building, which wasn't something that we normally would do. Um, and then the question was, should we be going out there in uniform? Maybe we should be going out there in civilian clothes, so nobody knows right. who anybody is or you know ranks or. It, who's watching and how are they watching kind of things. Yep. Um, and it, yeah, it got really strange. Um, the other big discussion was whether or not we would be relieved. Uh, they were, they were talking about setting up some cots and like, you know, getting some MREs out of uh, the supply uh, area. And maybe we would just, you know, instead of a 12 hour shift, pull 24s until uh, they decided it was safe to like bring other people in. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I think we did end up doing a shift change, but I, th- I want to say it was a lot later than normal. I think it was like an 18 hour day when everything was said and done before we did a shift change. So, uh, okay. it was, but it was really weird. You know, it was like, um, <clears throat> another thing was with like chow, they didn't want to send us over to the chow hall. So we ate MREs, which was a little, I got used to it in the field, but a lot of the guys had never had MREs because they had been in just this unit you know, which was right. a strategic unit. It wasn't a tactical unit. So it was like, Oh, you've never, that was kind of fun. It was like, Oh, <laughs> you haven't touched these in basic. Yeah. Oh, have we got some treats for you? <laughs> yeah. I'd be walking up and be like, yeah, hey, jambalaya shit. Just give me the jambalaya. I'll take the jambalaya. That's horrible here. Here's this, you know, something else. <laughs> so I got to ask, so the, the female that you hooked up with, I don't want to call it hooked up with or whatever, because I don't know your state now, but did she come back with you or did she stay out there no, and you came well, that home? Was, that was, I was 19 and she was like 30. Hell um, yeah. So, uh, it was, <laughs> I got a lot more emotionally attached to her than she was to me. Sure. Uh, to, to her, I was a, uh, a piece of meat and mm-hmm. to me it was like, Oh, I'll go anywhere with you. And she was kind of like, <laughs> had to set me straight about like, look, I had a really good time with you and everything, but, uh, lose my number. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get a green card or nothing like that. So you're good. <laughs> yeah. So were you married on nine 11 or anything like that? Or were you still single? No, no, I was, I, the whole time I was in the army, I was single. Okay. Were they letting you like, so during nine 11 and in you know, the few days after nine 11, were you able to contact home at all or, or anything like that? Like kind of what, or was it? Yeah. Was kind yeah. Of like, I don't have, I don't recall any restrictions on that. Okay. Um, I'm just curious because I, I didn't, I didn't go in into know, 2005. Like, so, uh, well, I know like during our shift, they, they did not want us calling anybody because, you yeah. know, um, it was like the OPSEC kind of thing, right. I guess. I don't recall the justification. Um, so, which was weird because like, uh, because we were, you know, so close to DC, like my mom wasn't sure if I was at the Pentagon because sometimes I had to go up there you right. know, for stuff. Right. Um, so it was a little, you know, when I finally got in touch, you know, she was like upset that I hadn't gotten in touch earlier, but it was like, I can't, you know, I, I yeah. can't just decide when I can make phone calls, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't work at Burger King, ma. You got to wait yeah, a little bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. Cause like I said, I, I didn't join the Marines until 2005. So I'm just trying to get a get a grasp of like the morale, like the, you know, anything that has, you know, it's got to be a weird, I'm assuming it's got to be a weird feeling. Like this shit just went down. We don't know who it is. The only thing I can compare it to, and, and, and this may sound like kind of pompous, but, and I don't mean to be, but the only thing I can compare it to is like dudes in Hawaii when Pearl Harbor happened, like what the fuck's going on? You're like, are, are we seriously being attacked by somebody? Cause it wasn't, 
it wasn't something that happened. You just didn't, you know, right. the We're U.S. America. didn't get attacked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so it was when it was clear that it was a coordinated attack. It was like, holy shit, who's who's doing this? Yeah. Um, why are they doing this? Uh, you know, all those questions go through your mind, and you really can't right. focus on that. You just have to be like. I got to do my fucking security checks. Are my guys okay? Like, yeah. you know, cause they're stressed out. Um, <clears throat> you know, are, are we going to stuff like, are, are we going to have chow? Are we going to, you know, <laughs> right, are exactly. we going to be able to, you know, the kind of the, the, uh, the, the practical logistical, um, concerns, uh, you know, to accomplish first off, accomplish your mission and then be, um, make sure that, you know, your, your people are taken care of. Okay, so the morale definitely changed, and everything everything was in a heightened alertness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. So is that is that so is that what made you decide that you weren't going to reenlist, or what ultimately made you decide? No, that? what what ended up what ended up kind of turning it for me was uh, after after nine eleven. Um, I told you the first sergeant was retiring at the time. The yep. guy that replaced him was uh, a complete bastard. Yeah, um, yeah I can kind of see where this is going. I went through, I went through a situation where one of my soldiers, um, was doing these like soldier of the month boards and really good at him. Like one soldier of the month, soldier of the quarter, soldier of the year. Um, and eventually did, uh, cause Fort Meade is kind of a multi-service base. He won like service member of the year on Fort Meade. So he competed against Marines, Air Force, uh, nice. and Navy guys and, and won this thing. Um, and then he got kind of burnt out on it. And <clears throat> when I, I forget what was coming up, some big board. And he had said to me, like, I really don't want to go to this. I'm like, that's cool. No problem. And, um, the first sergeant asked me if he was going and I'm like, no, he really doesn't want to go. And he's like, that board is his place of duty. And if he doesn't show up, I'm giving him an article 15. And I'm like, Whoa, yeah, that's a little drastic. (laughs) And he's like, and I said, you know, I was like, I I don't, you know, this should be like a, a voluntary, voluntary thing. thing or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm not playing that shit. He's too good at it, and he makes us look too good or whatever. And something about, like, and if you don't make him go, then I'm going to give you an Article 15. And I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> so this dude, when push came to shove, he eventually actually uh, talked about suicide. And then we had to, like, check him into Walter Reed to the psych ward. Um, so that just that, like that attitude of like how he was more worried about how the unit would look with this guy, like not competing in these when he had clearly gotten like burnt out on him and it shouldn't be something that you make people do. Um, just really put a bad taste in my mouth. And, um, he, he, especially at that time was the type because we were, uh, you know, moving into 2003, we're getting ready to go to war with Iraq. You know, we had already started shit in Afghanistan. Um, we, and the president, uh, had just announced like we're gonna go we're gonna move into Iraq as well. Yep. So his attitude was he thought everyone that didn't re-enlist was like a piece of shit. Um and that, you know, it was like your patriotic duty and, you know, especially now that we're at war, uh, that you had to. And my thing was like, look, you know, they're gonna stop loss who they're gonna stop loss. Um yeah. if they make me stay in, they make me stay in. Uh and as it worked out, they did not end up doing a stop loss on my MOS until after I left. So I was able to get out and I, kn- I knew I didn't want to keep, it was weird. I knew uh, it wasn't so much like I wasn't worried about going to Iraq. Like I was like, if I go, I go, I've been on a deployment to Kosovo. Right. Um, my, in my head, other than being in the desert, I didn't think it was going to be that much different. Um, right. You know, it was going to be, we don't know what to expect. So be on your toes kind of a thing. And you know, deal with whatever comes up. Um, but I knew I did not want to be in a situation where, um, I had to work for somebody like that right. and had no options, you know, and you so, wanted your life back. Yeah. There was definitely an element of that as well. Yeah. I get it. So now you get out there, do you stay out there when you get out or did you go back to Colorado? No, I, um, I kind of looked, you know, uh, my MOS was, you know, a very marketable MOS. So I did make an attempt to look around for work. Um, and there were, you know, um, a lot of places conceivably with opportunities, uh, especially in the DC area for the kind of thing that I was doing. Um, but 
I didn't really find anything that seemed to fit. Um, so I decided that I was going to take advantage of my GI bill and come back to Colorado and go to school. Okay. Um, which I did for a while. Uh, <clears throat> the, uh, back then before the post nine 11 GI bill, they just gave you cash. I don't know how, it, I don't know exactly how it works now. Um, it's, it's pretty gangster. Right it, now. uh, that, that was not a good idea. Uh, as long as I was <laughs> passing my classes, I just got a check. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what I decided to do was use student loans to pay my tuition and then just keep that money. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I learned some very valuable lessons from that, but, uh, that probably was not a, not a great way to do, uh, to do that. So I spent like, uh, I don't know, a year or two doing that. And then, um, and then, uh, got a, uh, defense contracting job out here in Colorado Springs doing, you know, basically what I had been doing in the army. Um, perfect. You know, the same type of thing. Um, and now I actually am a civilian employee of the air force. I'm a GS 11. Um, perfect. so yeah. <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah, I guess so. And I'm glad it I'm glad it worked out for you and 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 it sucks that that uh that service member guy that was, you know, really excelling at in his whole career went down that path because well, it shit. was, you know, it was wild. Um it just so happened that that when I got that contracting job, our customer was the unit the battalion that I had been assigned to before, uh which is pretty common for people in my uh line of work. Okay. Um so I did a TDY out to Fort Meade and asked about him and they're like, Oh, he, uh, he got busted down to like E2 from E4 and was getting kicked out of the army. And I'm like, Jesus. And, and, and something inside of me just knew cause he was a good soldier. Yeah. That whole experience with like getting sent to the psych ward and stuff. And, and, um, really what led up to that, the, the, you know, the first sergeant is like, Oh no, he has to keep pushing himself on these fucking boards. I think really um, made a turn for the worst in him, which was unfortunate because yeah. he, he really was a good soldier before that. Yeah. And it's, and it sucks. And you, and you, and you see that, you know, in service, out of service and everything else, like, you know, it's just, it's horrible. Cause it's like, you kind of want to just dive into that person and be like, no, 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 you know, but uh, the only thing you can do is kind of give them, give them directions and give them, you know, somewhere to, an avenue to go to. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, so you've been out now. What do you miss most about being in? Um, I'd say the camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, like there's, you're not, you're really not tighter with anybody, um, than the people that you served with. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you hadn't, if, if somebody was coming up to you and saying, Hey Trevor, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to join the army and I'm going to go satellite com. What kind of advice would you give anybody or even my listeners out there that are, are thinking about joining now or could be getting out too? Like if you have any advice for them. Um, well, somebody joining up, if they were asking me about the army with satellite communications, I'd say, screw that, get into the space force. That's where the future is in that line of work. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot better food in, in barracks too, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think, I think, in fact, I think the plan is for the space force to take over all of that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure that the army is going to keep doing that kind of thing much longer. Um, so, uh, that would be my recommendation is get in on the ground floor with space force. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And as far as somebody getting out, um, I would, my, my, my biggest piece of advice would be to not, not sweat. This sounds kind of weird, but not sweat. Uh, not finding a job right away. Like you have options. Right. Um, you can do something like the GI bill and go to school. Um, yeah. I would not recommend getting student loans and just pocketing, pocketing that money, but, um, yeah. you know, yeah. you can, you can, um, you know, especially, especially if you're like in an MOS where they end up offering you like vocational rehab, you know, because it wasn't very marketable or something. 
you could train into something, you know, that can, uh, a trade or something that could definitely offer you a future. So, um, you know, don't get bummed out about, you know, shooting resumes out and not getting any bites. Um, you, you have, especially because you served, you have options that, uh, that could lead you somewhere else. You know, you never know. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I'm glad that you kind of said that because I understand what you're saying. So like I got out and I was shooting out resumes and everything else, but I got out in North Carolina and I stayed in North Carolina. And when I got on 09, jobs were not easy to get anyways, no matter where you were. And that's when I kind of went down my debt, dark roads and everything else because I couldn't find the jobs and everything else. So like you, you know, if you're out there and you're doing things in the military and everything else, you're somebody, you have a purpose, you're doing your job, you're doing stuff. And then you get out and you can't even get a job. It's, it's yeah. very hard. And I like how you're saying, like, don't give up, man. You're like, you're still you. Like, you're still yeah. worth a lot. And there's Absolutely. definitely avenues for you to go to. And I, I and I thanks for, for saying that. Um, and you're right. You know, the, the post 9-11 GI Bill is, is fucking crazy. I've used it. And, when, you know, when I signed up for it, they're like, yeah, we're going to pay your tuition. We're going to give you $1,000 a year for books, you know, and we're going to pay you Sergeant's BAH for whatever yeah. town you live in all the way That's, through school. Yeah. And it's they're like, you just have to be full time. I'm like, well, what's full time mean? They're like, like X amount of credits. Yeah. yeah, it's X amount of credits. She's like, I was like, okay, so I can just do them all online. She's like, no, you have to have one class face to face. I was like, okay, but what if I fail it? Do I pay anything back? They're like, you can fail every class. You can literally get F's all the way through. But as long as you show up to every class, you're good to go. You don't have to pay nothing back, and it's all tax free. Yeah, it, it's it's, it's that's crazy. Big, yeah. That's a, that's a big improvement on what I, you know, the traditional GI bill that I got was I, I, I know vividly that you had to pass the classes. Number one. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I'm almost done. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I've, I vividly remember that you did have to pass all the classes. Um, that was it though. Like you didn't have to get A's or anything silly like that. Um, and, um, Let's see, I'm trying to remember. Oh, you did not get the BAH thing. Um, that's something yep. new. Um, yeah, that's awesome. It is, it, especially if you yeah, live in a, so. like I live in Massachusetts and we're, you know, our minimum wage is crazy high. Everything out here is expensive because of taxes, but um, I, I see you kind of got to go, but I want to talk about uh, your podcast. You, you mentioned that you actually run yeah. a podcast. And so talk to me what name of the podcast, what it's all about, what, you know, where people can find it, stuff like that. Absolutely. So the, the podcast is called Man Tools. Um, we like to call it a men's issues podcast, but it usually devolves into like fart jokes and silliness. Um, okay. Which is, kind of, you know, that's kind of what you would expect, I suppose, from a men's issues podcast. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, it actually streams live on uh, every Thursday at 730 Mountain, which uh, if I, my math is correct, is 9.30 Eastern and 6.30 Pacific. I think I have that memorized now. Um, and uh, you can get it. Uh, we have a website, mantoolsmedia.com, um, and there's a link to stream it. Uh, or you can find us on any social media. We've, uh, we've locked down the Mantools Media uh, name. So Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, Instagram yeah. we even, we're even on like parlor and me, we, and all of those weird, uh, you know, kind of alternative social media places. So, um, <clears throat> okay. So it's kind of like just a couple, is it just you or is it you and another person or something? Like no, that? it's, it's me and another guy. Um, the dude I do it with, I actually was friends with, um, geez, we've been friends since I was like 15. Um, Perfect. we met, uh, we actually met working at a scout camp together, uh, in high school, um, and then, uh, we've maintained our friendship and, uh, now we do this together. So Outstanding. it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll definitely check it out. Cause I'm all about the fart jokes and everything else. Like I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I subscribe to like vet TV and everything else. Cause I just, my dark humor is still definitely there. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I'll definitely take a look at it. I mean, especially if it's, if it's live, that's cool. Um, so now as far as are any of them recorded or the podcast anywhere that are not live or. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, every, every live stream, um, it, it streams out to YouTube and then the, the video is saved there. So you can get okay. episodes on YouTube and video and we post the audio to, uh, to all the, 
normal podcast platforms that you would okay, perfect. imagine, you know, um, Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, uh, anywhere else that you might find podcasts, we're on. Perfect. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take a look at it. And uh, listeners, I'll leave his the uh, the website in, uh, in, the, in the show description there. You can find him on there. I'm sure there's going to be a link for you, for people to get to yep. your YouTube page and stuff like that. Yeah, so. Absolutely. That's awesome. Man tools, it's awesome. I mean, hey, and I think it's awesome that, Trevor, that you came on on the show tonight and you talked about your your experiences. And I'm glad that we were able to touch on the 9-11 thing. Um, I mean, it sucks that it happened, but um, I'm glad that we you were able to open up kind of thing and just kind of show some kind of light on what it was to be in uniform during that time period. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm glad that you went to Germany and got your rocks off, man. I am I like too. To... Yeah, I am, I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad that that happened too. <laughs> All right, Trevor, thank you. Thank you again. I'll let you get going here. And uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the American Vet Podcast. And I just want to remind everybody too that I host on and let you know too, Trevor, on Friday nights at 7.30 Eastern time, I do an open Zoom thing. Anybody can go on there. And uh, we just talk about anything and everything. Um, it's not recorded. I don't record it. It doesn't get aired anywhere. Um, and it's just kind of like bar rules. You know, as long as you don't talk to no hate, no politics, no religion, come on. Right. It's actually kind of fun. A bunch of guys get on, and uh, we stay pretty late. Uh, the links for that will be on my website, AmericanVetPodcast.com. Go to the page where it says Happy Hour. And I got another guy that actually might be running it. We're going to call it something different, but he's going to might be running it on Tuesday nights too. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, once again, Trevor, thanks for coming up. And listeners, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, man. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land... We unleash the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.